This is Andrian. And this is Ray. Welcome to the Talk Lab Podcast. Every two weeks, we'll invite a new guest and... In every session, we'll look into their life, relationships, and perspectives. One question at a time. Let's Talk Lab! Yay. Welcome to the Talk Lab Podcast. This is Andrian. And this is your co-host, Ray. This time, we've invited someone really, really special. Benjamin Quinlan! Woo! And who's he, right? Okay, yeah, so some backstory. I think we forgot to press record and yeah, we're doing this intro again. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, for those listening, it would be your first time anyway. So I think today we are very, very fortunate to have uh, Ben Quinlan. So I'm just doing a quick introduction of him. He'll do a very interesting introduction of himself. So basically, I think uh, we wanted to get Quinn, uh, I mean Ben Quinlan on, on this podcast is because you know he does so many different things in his daily life. Yeah, and yeah. So just some quick backstory. He 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 was born and raised in Hong Kong. Yeah, even though he doesn't look like it, but you know we all have to be inclusive, right? We cover about this a lot in this podcast. So I think um, yeah, he has his own uh, uh, management consulting business. Yeah, he started that. He founded that. But before that, he was in the finance sector. Then he went to management consulting, and on the side, he does many many different things, mm-hmm. right? Wearing different hats. So I think um, I won't do that introduction. Why don't you share? Um, a brief summary about your life. Great. Thank, thank you both for having me and for getting me to do this introduction now for a second time because you <laughs> forgot to press record. Uh, but anyway, so as you mentioned, yes, I primary job is I run my own strategic consulting firm. Uh, we mainly do, if you think of firms like McKinsey or a Boston Consulting Group, uh, it's that kind of work specializing in financial services with a big book of project work, uh, especially in the fintech space. Um, Outside of that, I'm the chairman of the Fintech Association of Hong Kong. I've been sitting on the board for just over three and a half years. Um, I am an adjunct professor at a business school, and then I do a bunch of advisory work with Trade Development Council, Science Technology Park, Hong Kong Tourism Board, um, there's actually quite a few other things I do outside of that on various startup advisor yeah. roles, guest contributions for media publications yeah. and magazines, uh, mentorship programs, mm. but uh, they don't take up as much time, um, although okay. it's quite mm. extensive. And the final thing is, yeah, um, on the weekends and in, e- in the evenings, depending when I'm free, um, I will take to the stage and perform stand-up comedy. Right? So that's my other job. And now podcaster, right? Yeah, uh, that's why you're doing this. There. So something to add onto your hat. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think really appreciate your time, and I think for those people listening out there, they'll be wondering like, how on earth do you, do you manage your day or your life, right? Or do you even have time for relationships, right? You're doing so many different hats, so many, so diverse, right? Mm. But uh, so I think like people would be really interested to to know how you manage so many different roles do you delegate or like okay yeah how come you're doing so many different things at, at once yeah so maybe share about your thoughts on it fair and, fair you know. so I, I think i do all the things i do because they're highly complementary yeah. even even comedy and work are very complementary mm. so the skills i learned being on stage of how to read and manage a room of strangers as soon as i go into a boardroom it's it's easy okay. it's not complicated at all mm. um and you know, I think the other sides of it is everything revolves around building a profile for myself and the firm of being one of the leading advisory houses and consulting houses 
in financial services yeah. and fintech. So the various roles that I have have kind of formed an ecosystem around building that brand, which is mm -hmm. what I've wanted to do uh, for the past few years. So it's all about the complementary nature of how this fits together as part of like a bigger jigsaw piece. I don't know what the overall puzzle looks like, but you know, whenever I find a piece that I can plug in, yeah. I'll do that. And uh, going back to the point, how do you do it? You yeah. find the time, like you yeah. prioritize the things that you want to do and you have to make sacrifices. Like there are things that I cannot do. There are things I have to cancel. I think I canceled the last time that we scheduled this, but it's a common occurrence. I just have to prioritize where I spend my time because time for me is, is value time for me is money time for me is, you know, yeah. how do I spend yeah. every hour of my day? Yeah. Yeah. I just want to quickly touch on that and really appreciate you, you know, making the time. Right. I'll send you the oh. invoice after. No, <laughs> oh, okay, sure. Yeah. That's why we're, we're timing it. Yeah. 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 Um, I think, yeah, going back to the point that um, I think uh, we can all relate to, to this. So mainly, predominantly, I think we all have uh, young adults listening out there. Mm. And everyone, you know, when you ask someone a question like, oh, how's life or how's your work? Mm. Everyone, 80, 90% of the time, what would they say? Busy. Mm. Right, but are they truly busy? That's something that I think each and every one of of us should reflect. Mm. And I think having you know Ben, you sharing your perspectives on this, is really eye opening. I think to a lot of people, mm. they'll be like, okay, what defines busy? Mm. And I think I really wanted to touch more upon. You mentioned like, you need to find things that you are willing to work on like it aligns with what you want to achieve in life mm -hmm. and for you it's this building up this whole ecosystem mm -hmm. that helps your whether it's personal brand or the things that you want to do or achieve or create mm -hmm. an impact to the world right mm -hmm. so maybe you can share more a bit on, on that idea or the philosophy behind it to our audience out there sure i think it's a very good question about what it, what do people mean when they say busy yeah. um and i kind of look at it and talk to people and when they say they're busy, I go, are you busy doing a lot of inputs? Or are you busy getting a lot of outputs and value? Um, and I think it's important for people to contextualize busy around objectives and goals. So if you're busy at working towards something bigger, it might be within your company. Yeah, you're busy getting things done in your day job. But are you busy about thinking about how to push your career to that next level? Uh, most people forget about that. They just become so pigeonholed in what they're doing that they, they lose sight of everything else. But there's also, you know, I speak to my team and they'll be like, oh, I'm busy. And come 6 p.m., they're out the door. Now, I don't mind. That's totally up to them. But I go, how busy are you, right? Like, it's, it's not something I even have a, a question on. You're an adult. You can manage your career however you want. But... What do you want to do with this part of your life? Do you want to go out and network with people? Do you want to come up with a new idea for something that I could help sponsor and support within the company that you take initiative of and you drive? Because we're still small enough to be able to do these things. Yeah. It's all about that initiative and ultimately how you want to grow yourself. Um, and the biggest investment everyone should make is in themselves, their capabilities, their networks, their skills. Uh, it will pay back many times over. Yeah. Wow. It's just a, 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 a very valuable lesson for even I'm like trying to consume all the information because mm. I think a lot of people, including myself, sometimes there are a lot of just inputs, not mm. that many outputs. 
And I think it's to use the time wisely because every minute is basically your money, your value. Mm-hmm. And it's the opportunity cost of spending the time doing something less meaningful. 100%. Yeah, or doing something that might turn out to be something. And the older you get, the faster time goes. So, you know, when I look back on my early mm-hmm. 20s or even when I was at uni, it's felt really slow, right? It did, just the grind of going through my lectures and you know I spent seven years at university Mm -hmm. then I look back and I go wow that went really fast each and every year just I just blink and I'm another year older and the pace of that speed uh, of change it just gets faster and faster and faster so a lot of that when you talk about how to prioritize your time you're right but it's also there's other things I've I've done I've gotten rid of useless uh, things in my life right? What are the big distractions where I get no value add? If it's a distraction where I can kind of unwind or relax, I don't mind. Mm. But what are things that waste my time? Who are the really negative people around me that suck all my time and energy away? Mm. I got to get rid of them. And these are are hard choices you have to make. But you do have to prioritize what is important, even for your own mental sanity. Yeah, for sure. I No, I think I just want to make a point that okay, um, I, th- I think you hear what Ben have said, the wisdom, right? But yeah, he doesn't look that old. Don't worry. So tune in on YouTube to, to see, you know, how, how young or how well-kept, you know, Ben, ben is, <laughs> right? But definitely, like, I can relate that time, yeah, does get into a faster pace. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I would say, like, I'm still in, you know, in, in my 20s. But if I relate back to the school years, it felt long. Yeah. Like you're waiting for summer holidays or the yep. holidays. And then when that's over, you're like, ah, back to school. Yep. And then now, like university was like fast to me. Right. It's like you're doing so many things. And then when you're working, even faster. Because yeah. Yeah. we get like a quarterly quota to driving initiative, then one year, another year. And then now, like, okay, it's almost half a decade yeah. of working. Yeah. And then I'm like, okay, late 20s. Now, like, okay, how can I create impact? Yeah. And I think, you know, Andrew and I, we, we relate this and we thought of you know why don't we create a podcast to help you know young adults you know if they are thinking a standard nine to seven job is boring Mm. how can they transition to something else or get perspective right sure so that's why in this podcast why you're up here is uh, we want to really understand you know your perspectives and so far i think it's going well and i think we have a lot more uh topics that we wanted to cover and we'll just go i I think i think a lot of people tuning into this episode or to Benjamin Quinlan's podcast is because a lot of them might want to know more about management consulting. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Management consulting is a, like in, in USC or even in basically university, mm-hmm. a lot of people would be like, oh my God, I want to go into consulting. Or mm-hmm. investment banking. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now more so tech, but back then when I was like a graduate, yeah. not really. Yeah, because that's not number one, not many yeah, inspiring tech companies uh, yeah. I- within the Hong Kong ecosystem. Yeah, but yeah. Yeah, so maybe you can you know, give some light and shed some light about what you do as a consulting the industry. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, it was like, you know, if, you, if you're studying a business-related degree, you either go into a big four, an investment bank, or you go in management consulting. It's, it's like these three pathways yeah. that everyone wants to get into. And consulting usually has that tussle between the investment banks, iBanks, maybe pay more, work you harder, consultants is more intellectual there's a lot of kind of things to unpack because yeah. i've worked in all three yeah. i've worked in a big four i worked in a big strategy house i worked in global investment bank so i've gotten to see how it all yeah. 
<coughs> fits together. But what do you do as a, as a consultant? You, I, first of all, I need to break up the industry. So okay. there's consulting firms that do strategy. And then there's consulting firms that do more implementation. So the strategy houses are your players like your McKinsey, Bain, Boston, MBBs, Oliver right? Wyman, our firm okay. as well. And then implementation is more like your big four. And then there's kind of the tech implementation stuff that's more like your Accentures and so on. So different kinds of firms. But if you work in a strategy house, which is what we do, uh, in a nutshell, uh, I work with CEOs and boards of our clients to help come up with answers or recommendations to some of the biggest problems. And that problem could be, I want to enter a new market. A, should I? how much money is on the table? B, do you think we should do it? And C, if, we, if you do, how, right? What method? Uh, it could be, I'm launching a new product. What should the product look like? How should it be designed? How should I charge for all of my uh, services, right? How does that reference against everyone else? I want to set up a new virtual bank. Tell me how to do it and get that application in with me to a regulator. Um, I want to reinvent my whole cultural dynamic within the firm. How do I change the DNA of the employees here? Any of these kinds of questions or problems or an M&A deal, strategic due diligence, whatever, I want to invest in a company. I need to understand everything about the industry and competitors before I do it. That's what we do in a nutshell. And when you think about it for the listeners, then what does that mean for you? A lot of research, a lot of analysis, a lot of synthesizing things and putting together a flow or an arc of a story that fundamentally gets to the end of it, some clarity around what this information means, mm-hmm. and ultimately what is the recommendation for the client built on this fact base that you have developed. Yeah. What do you think is the most important? I think a lot of people, if they want to go into consulting, would ask this question, what is the most important determining factor if they should go into consulting you mean as a candidate or what what is the most important skill set that we're looking for yeah um i don't think it's any one but i would say like one of the most important things is there there is an iq point right and you can't fake you can't (laughs) you can't fake it yeah uh and it's not to sound cruel but you know, there are certain people yep. okay. maybe don't have the intellectual firepower to think mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. a consultant because it can be very hard, right? Yeah, yeah. It's not easy. Um, the other part of it, I would say for me, it's really around critical thinking, you know, just the ability to question things, you know, to have that intellectual curiosity as opposed to just taking everything at face value. I think critical thinking is one of these skill sets in this age of social media where I just realized that we have so much access to information but yeah. the world mm-hmm. seems more stupid and I just can't believe how dumb people can be sometimes when everything is available if you just yeah. do your homework yeah. so critical thinking is really important and it's to you know it's to challenge a lot of the information that you see and uh, and to take a, uh, a position but ownership analytical mindset you know, all of the typical things okay. that you would need around good okay. communication, yeah. interpersonal skills, etc. I right. think I, I really appreciate your uh, honesty and like blatant sharing. Yeah, uh, definitely IQ. Um, yeah. yeah, that's important. I think uh, IQ is not something that everyone is born with, right? 
But I think yeah. the critical thinking side of things, so I think that's for you to decide or we can get your insight whether you know IQ or critical thinking is more important. Because mm. I think from my perspective, I think criti crit critical thinking can be somewhat trained, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you, you're exposed to different kind of people, mentors, you listen to their mindset, mm. you have access to information or different opinion leaders, and then you form your own thoughts and see how you want to react or have your own framework to analyze um, the world, right? 100%. Yeah, but IQ, I feel like maybe that's something that, okay, of course you can study, but I think in consulting, it's like really, really fast paced. So you, you probably need like a really, really good technical, uh, I think with technical background, it helps a lot because that's sort of, um, sort of um, like what you mentioned, right? Powers like the way your mind thinks and it picks things up much faster. Yeah. Well, so, I mean, that's just my perspective. Like see which one like for you, like if you had to decide, yeah. I, I mean, not putting you on the spot or we can, yeah. No, I think critical yeah. thinking you can train. It's, it's um, you know, I think every uni student should do a course in logic and mental models, right? Mm -hmm. Like yeah. it, you, like there's basic skills everyone needs in yeah, life yeah. that I'm just surprised aren't taught as fundamentals at uni. Uh, with the course I teach, one of the subjects is storytelling through data. Mm. And I insisted that this becomes an elective right at the start of the academic year. Because whatever you do, all of your case studies, assignments, mm. everything, take this course, I'll teach you how to think properly and teach you how to approach your next courses to mm. present in the right way, to tell stories in the right way. Um, yeah, but I believe critical thinking can be taught. And I think the challenge with consulting, it's one of these things because I, I brought in a, a batch of graduates recently yeah. and I said, now you, you're in this industry where you realize that we need speed, quality, and accuracy all at the same time. Mm -hmm. um, and usually you have to trade these things off. Like, I want it fast, okay, but I'll give you a, a crummy job. It's like, well, no, you have to overlay all these things now so I would say a lot of uh, resilience as well. It's a very yeah. important skill set. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's how, it's how you perceive things. Like the resilience point is very important, especially in this environment. Yeah. I've noticed a lot of people getting impacted yeah, uh, sure. yeah. by COVID and all the other yeah. things going on. Yeah. So I think if, if I may, I, I want to like uh, really pick up like on the part where you say um, how you you know, in a nutshell, right? What consultancy is mm. or what specifically management consultants are, right? Mm -hmm. So those questions that you ask, like, you know, um, those big business questions, right? Yeah, so these are very big business challenges where they, the customers actually entrust you mm. to actually, oh, think about the next big thing uh, for, for their like internal restructuring, M&A, mm. this mm. kind of stuff, mm. right? Mm. So with that big responsibility or big question, right? I'm sure mm. it has a lot of, wait and it doesn't come easy for customers to first you know reach out like i just wanted to understand how do you actually build that trust mm -hmm. uh, with the customer and get them on board of this on this journey because number one management consulting i think the whole everyone knows that it's not cheap getting mm -hmm. this kind of professional services because mm -hmm. it's mm -hmm. fast like what you mentioned fast <laughs> the service is accurate yeah and it's gonna be life-changing from that company perspective right mm -hmm. the output that you guys uh, come up with will determine which direction will they go. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, just want to get So, uh, well, my philosophy is there's only two reasons why people do business with you. And it's first, mm. they like you. Yep. And second is they trust you. Okay. That's it. Mm. I don't think there's anything else. Mm -hmm. So they can trust you, but you can be an, you can be an asshole. Mm. And 
they'll think you're very good at what you do, but they just don't want to work with you. Then they can think you're a great person, they get along with you, but they know you're not very good, they won't trust you with the work, so they won't work with you. You just need to solve those two things. And okay. how do you build trust in the consulting industry? Uh, a lot of it is about um, being able to showcase that you have the insight that is over and above everyone else out there. Mm -hmm. It's a very competitive industry. Yeah. I don't know if you've come across our research, but we produce quite a lot of industry research. Yeah. And we want to say something, thank you, we, we want to say something that no one else has an idea about. Mm -hmm. And we're happy to be blunt and you can tell I'm, I speak my mind, right? I, I, That's really great, yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, I do know how to yeah. speak okay. with some cadence, right? And, uh, got it, got it. Uh, but I, I, generally, I generally think that it's very important to be straightforward with, with, with clients and to tell them they're wrong if that is the right thing for them. Um, when I was in consulting before, I generally found I was just rubber stamping what clients wanted to do. So, so you're hiring me as a internal vetting and insurance policy to go and justify your own existence. And I found that very intellectually bankrupt. So my view was you hire me because we come with an independent perspective. It's like we just did this project for a buy now, pay later, you know, the buy now, pay later yeah. industry or the afterpays of this world. They're one of the unicorns. They wanted to come into Hong Kong, Macau. Um, should we do it? They paid us a good chunk of change. Mm. You know sizable project fee for us to come back at the end and say, nope, we recommend you do not do it. So it's, it, it's like, mm -hmm. and some people may say, wow, they paid you a lot of money to tell them not to do something. But I said, it's, it's the right advice. So they found it quite weird when we gave that mm. final recommendation, mm -hmm. but they 100% agreed. Mm -hmm. And they actually said, thank you, because you've kind of explained exactly why yeah. this is not the right thing for us individually as a firm to focus on and we agree with your assessment so the honesty there is yeah. important it's really really great um a customer reference or story very mm. personal to uh, what you do day in day out yeah. but i really like you know like so far this whole conversation we're doing like you really you know articulate things very well and everything is like very simple easy to understand you, you, you take very complex problems and digest it. Mm. Yeah, so I think like if the young listeners out there that, are, that have missed it, yeah, I think yeah, um, Ben was saying like two, two main things, right? Yeah, either people like you and then uh, you also gain the trust. And I think the trust, like I also want to touch on like, is it because you have done so many different experience, your track record is good and everything. Mm -hmm. So that really sort of helped um, build that uh, sort of yes or no yeah I just wanted to see yeah your 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 perspective it's a fair this. it's a fair question so in professional services yes it does help but you can only use that for so long yeah, yeah that's true um, when I set up my business how many clients did I have none yeah, zero zero so here I was Quinlan and associate one other person <laughs> with me going out and trying to get my first project. Wow. And I couldn't say, here's my track record of clients. I could say, I used to be the head of strategy at this bank, and I never did it. If you ever seen me pitch or work with a client to sell something, I've never gone through my company pitch deck because mm -hmm. mm -hmm. I don't need to. I'll talk to you about your specific thing. I'll send you our stuff after 
you read it when you go to sleep that will give you some clarity that we're good at what we do but all of it is about you build trust because you need to really listen and understand what the hell the client's problem is mm. and come up with a solution rapidly and be smart enough uh, to press the buttons that they are looking to hear um, I've seen plenty of people do it where they're selling a big idea to someone who's not biting and I go you haven't even started this conversation we're getting to know what the client wants or what their problems are and you could go in with a view you want to talk about selling project a you come out the other side you're like we just sold project g like that was came out of the blue mm. um and this has happened to me many times in my career where i've just sat down and through a 30 minute conversation i've just gone hmm there's something i can help you with because i you know i understand i understand what your mm. issue is now and that makes for a good communicator a good communicator isn't just oh, i'm good at speaking it's you listen right yeah. I think listening skills is more important. Like I've yeah. read in a book that 90% of people, they just talk and not listen. But yeah. the most important part is to listen and digest it and you analyze it. And I think maybe, I think that is the most important, one of the most important aspect of being a consultant or mm. just to have that critical thinking as echoing back to what we said. And what I was thinking is like, I know the first project must be hard to, obtain how how did you even get started like going a bit further back like how do you have that idea you want to start on your own is you're going to take that much risk like compared to your mm. existing job mm. i think that takes a lot of courage to to say that i'm, I'm done with that i'm just going to do it on my own right what made uh, you flip the switch yeah. from something very stable to some something uh yeah own. oh you got to get to know my character and personality yeah. i'm very idealistic in principle right mm -hmm. so when i see something is full of shit or i don't like the politics around something and i go you know yeah. this is just crap i can see why people leave organizations and what makes them leave and i'm like it's not that hard to fix right why do you have to have managers and seniors in a firm that act a certain way why can't you have transparency around feedback and an open culture where people don't feel scared shitless to speak up? Remove passive aggressiveness, remove all of this vindictive, weird behavior, create an environment with like an elite storm troop of the brightest people you can possibly find and empower them and trust them to do good work. And there's all the things around recognition. I just remember in the big firms, even when we produce research, I would work with one of the junior consultants They'd probably do 50, 60% of the work. And then they wouldn't get published on the report. And I think, why? Well, even, why is this partner on the report? They didn't even type anything, right? So there's a lot of things that I think people will look at beyond just a, a dollar value. Yeah. You need to pay people fairly. But I think when you look at a career, what makes people want to come in and go, I like my job? And it's just sad beyond when you say, how's your job? And people say they're busy. Most people don't like your jobs. Yeah. And that kind of sucks. Why Why is that the norm? That everyone goes, I hate what I do. I hate this. I hate the people I work with. I don't like this. I don't like that. I don't want that in my company. So I, I wanted to create something different. Um, and I wasn't scared. Like, mm. what's the worst that could happen? I could always go back to a shit job that I hate. Mm. <laughs> I think, yeah. I think we all should, you know, jump ship and go. <laughs> <laughs> That's no, that was no, but I think yeah, going yeah, like I think 
we can't agree more. Yeah, and having someone to you know went go through so many things and have actually gone out the way to get shit done, right, or make the world a better place. I, I think that's mm. something very sort of inspiring and mm. also very um, like like the views empowers. Yeah. I think hopefully people because I think that's what. You know, myself, Adrian, and myself, you know. Uh, <laughs> so okay, it sounds like that's three people. Okay, let's make Ben the third person, right? Yeah. We always start, we started to question a lot of these kind of things, you know, mm. like why we are doing this nine to, you know, seven or wh- however late that you end, right? Because you mm. never know when you go offline, right? Because mm. now with remote work and everything, people can find you all the time. Work from home is like a. That's fine. Yeah, I've been working from home for a long time because I'm like in, in Microsoft, right? So, right. Yeah, so, but I think that the main thing is like, we hope that, you know, more people will start realizing to yeah. find, even if you, you, you know, people have reason to stay on a job for stability financially, mm-hmm. not everyone can, you know, but I think hopefully people will have a conscious reflection on what truly makes them happy and whether they, they can find that something that within that job scope that makes them happy or energized or they can sell, internalize it to the greater purpose that they do. And if not, then probably they find something else. Yeah. Interesting, because I, I have my views on yeah. this, and I think what feel free, feel free. what yeah. what people shouldn't, and this is why it's so hard for the next generation because they they go online and they see everyone as a founder and a CEO and everything. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. oh, this startup, you know, is. And I'm like, okay, most of the people are broke. They don't have any money. Uh, the optics that you see every day is always very positive, but if you look under the hood or you get to know what's really happening. It's not easy. Now, a lot of people may look at what I do and you don't see all the stuff that I have to do. You don't see all the glamour and, and I mean, the lack of glamour uh, that comes with my job. And people think that, oh, because I get to do something that I love, therefore I should only just be doing things I love. And I said, that's the biggest crock in the whole world. Just like every elite athlete has to train and train and train. They don't enjoy it, right? But they enjoy that final moment where they achieve that goal. Career is not about just achieving this goal. So I put myself as the CEO of a company. I finally became a CEO, right? Anyone can do that. You set up your business, become a CEO of whatever you want. It's not a, it's not a title. title. The title that I wanted to earn was actually running a legit business that had a brand that could cut it with the big boys. Um, and for me, that was, that was important. But there's a lot of sacrifices I've had to make. And there's a lot of parts of my job that are not glamorous. Um, but they're needed. And they've taught me a lot. And I can't have everything. And people that go out in the world that think you can just find everything that makes you happy that's totally not reasonable that's not what life is uh and it's okay to have down times it's okay to have crappy experiences and i said to even my team it's okay when i leave the office sometimes when i've dumped a bunch of stuff on your desk for you to talk crap about me (laughs) for 20 30 seconds roll your eyes and just be like ah but at least understand after that vent that i'm not a bad person and I'm doing this to make you better, and it is the right thing to do. If you lose faith in that, then you shouldn't be here, right? Mm-hmm. But it's normal. We're all yeah. humans. Yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. my turn. <laughs> so I, w- I was thinking, because I think a l- the sad thing is a lot of people, they are not looking, like if they're trying to switch a role, mm. they're not looking to find a role that they like. Instead, mm. they are just searching for a role that they hate less. Yeah which is 
basically I think the norm mm. and I think sometimes I question myself as well or I think a lot of people question that because not a lot of people find the job that they want to do like basically day in day out like yep. on a weekday they're just looking forward to their weekends that's mm. basically what they want to do yep and that's why I think I have a lot of echo I, I it echoes with me personally mm. with my values and I was thinking what what sort of made you made you have that determining factor in like you you went into banking mm. why did you what made you switch fields like a few times and became who you are today what what experience you had that defined you throughout the whole process uh i was um i just i wanted to that I could do all these things. So one, it was a curiosity to try it out. Yeah. So when I was in a bank, I used to have the consultants come and present. And then some of them, I was like, you're not that good. Although you have one of the big MBB brands. Mm -hmm. And then others, I went, wow, you're really smart. And then I would think, these guys are the intellectuals. So I want to see what they do. I want to go on their side. Um, and then I did that and I was like, okay, you're really smart, but you don't really understand the business. So now I get to see that problem with your business. Mm. And then when I go back in the bank, um, especially from running an organization, I didn't necessarily think the management was very good. Mm. Um, and I, I ultimately just thought, look, I can do this better now. It's, it's one of those areas where not everyone should set up their own business. Yeah. Like, like that's just a guaranteed thing. There's people within my business who I think I could see them being the next entrepreneur and setting up their firm. There's ones I would say never do it because it's not your kind of DNA. Yeah. And I would advise you against it. It will actually backfire. And they don't want to do it. Not everyone yeah. has to go down that path. Um, but yeah, just wanting to, wanting to carve out that particular path for myself was just something very unique to me. I'm a terrible employee, I think. Um, I don't like following. I don't find that fun. I've always been way more at home leading, uh, taking responsibility, taking ownership for things, not passing the buck, you know, just falling on the sword when you need, but making decisions, right? And what I didn't like was sitting around a table with 30 people not able to make a decision. And my view is I'll make the call. And if I get it wrong, I'll take the responsibility, but I'll, I'll make a call. And a lot of that mindset was around, well, yeah. how do I apply that to run my firm? I was just much more at home running my business than being an employee. Yeah, I think, I think yeah, thanks very much for sharing that perspective, right? I think um, being an, a listener for this, right? I think uh, if there's something to take away, right? You, yeah, you, you only know uh, what you like or don't like if you're more aware of yep. self-aware basically yeah on different things or events that you know like okay if you don't like for like for ben's case right you don't really like you know so many processes and mm -hmm. and which leads to inefficiencies mm -hmm. and no output mm -hmm. and people just talk and then processes some business some businesses are running like that right they mm -hmm. just go through the process and then there's no output but the business runs but mm -hmm. yeah eventually yeah mm -hmm. it's not productive for for the whole world right but just jumping back to the point it's like yeah I think for, for people that, you know, are struggling with, you know, finding that fulfillment or what some sort of direction on that. Yeah, mm -hmm. I think a good thing is like to really just like we always preach about this is to really sit down and really reflect 
or find someone that could give you that perspective on who you are. Mm -hmm. And then I think slowly you can make a call. Not everyone is a leader. Not everyone has to start a company, but at least you know what you like to do. And if you like to do it and you feel uh, you're good at it, you end up really prospering in that specific uh, field you're right. or task. Well, I always say, well, they have that concept of, you know, the ikigai, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, but me, I don't necessarily think the last part, which is what does the world yeah, need? Yeah, what the world needs, right? I've, mm -hmm. I'm just like, do you, uh, you like it and are you good at you good at it, right? Mm -hmm. Those two things, uh, and generally there's one delineation. So if you like it and you put the time and effort and you, you, uh, you are good at this, you become a master of your craft, you can charge money for it. That's generally how it works. Um, but the are you good at it is very important. And this is where you need to stop being self-deluded. Mm. I am not very good at ballet dancing. That's one area I'm not going to try yeah. and, uh, and become a master at. Now, if I love it, then I can continue to do it, but know the difference between a career and a hobby. Mm -hmm. mm. And I think some people get those things confused. And... If you want to derive your source of happiness, it doesn't always need to be from your career. It can be from your hobbies. That's very true. Yeah. 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 I think, yeah, given the time, yeah, I think we wanted to also cover more about, you know, the, the, the more fun, entertaining part of Ben Quinlan. So I think episode two, yeah, we'll save some time for that. But I think just one last part, right, before uh, we, you know, we, we jump off to, to, to the next episode, right, is... Um, yeah, can you share a bit more? I mean, less like that different things, right? But I think you've already shared a lot of great insights. But I think we wanted to know more, like, yeah, what what was it like growing up as Ben Quinlan? And yeah, can you just share briefly about your multiculturalism? Yeah, for those people that doesn't know, right? I think Ben was sharing like, oh, he's born and raised in in Hong Kong. Yeah, but I mean, if you stay in the video, that yeah, he's like sort of mixed, right? Yeah. Yeah, born yeah. so born and raised here, uh, Chinese mother, Australian father. Um, I I think it was a pretty popular kid in primary school in Ooh. start of secondary in Hong Kong, right? In Hong Kong, okay. uh, I was doing very well academically. Sports captain, swim captain, Ooh. basketball captain. <laughs> then went to Australia and got the shit beaten out of me, <laughs> <laughs> and I was very confused. Um, but it was interesting when I went over to Australia because of the academic year systems. I was actually bumped up a year. Um, but it made me really small. So I was a 12-year-old guy and it was an all-boys boarding school. My boarding school produced half of the Australian rugby team. So there were big guys. Yo, I mean, if, if you're not considered big, I, I'm not sure who you are. Like, like if I go there, like, oh. Because, like, I mean, if you guys see on the video, you can see, like, okay, the life size of, like, Ben Quinlan compared to... <laughs> well, it's like, you know, even in my basketball team, our center was, I think he's 6'10", right? Oh, wow. So, I mean, these are, these are big boys. Yeah. Um, but it was, a, it was a rude awakening for me in Australia. I went there. I had a very funny English-American accent. Um, it didn't go down so well with all the country boys in my school. Uh, my Chinese heritage did not go down very well. There's a lot of adaptations. It helped me become a comedian and be witty because I couldn't physically defend myself against people twice my size, uh, but I could hurt their feelings in the right way. Okay. So there's a lot of things that, you know, I don't, I, I look at the, all these experiences of what I would call a privileged, bubbled life here in Hong Kong, which I love. I love my childhood here so much. And then a lot of what I would call toughening up, 
in Australia. Mm -hmm. So what I learned is because I was, I've always been very soft, but I also have a very hard shell. So, mm -hmm. and a lot of that is around the resilience and being able to learn how to protect and fend for myself. I don't rely on other people to do things for me. Um, if I want to get something done, I just do it myself. It's mm -hmm. as simple as that. Yeah. Oh, really interesting growing up fossils because we, we, we wouldn't have known <laughs> if it's not for this. But um, I think the last part is, do you have a takeaway for any young adults out there or any basically listeners that if they're trying to basically live advice, any live advice, I, I don't want to even stick, stick on to the management consulting, any live advice that you want to give them if you're at a teenager or a university or like student. Adult, like in 20s, people yeah. that are in 20s, because mm -hmm. I think that's the majority of our listeners, yeah. people early 20s, mid 20s. Yeah, um, like take a chill pill, generally. Don't be in such a hurry to grow up. Um, don't put this unwarranted pressure on yourself to achieve certain things by certain ages because someone has done it, right? Um, don't compare yourself to other people. This is a recipe for failure. If I compare myself to other people, there's always going to be another guy that's better looking, taller, earns more money, has a bigger consulting firm, <laughs> uh, whatever. You know, yeah. it's just like, why? Why do it? Um, so, and a lot of people compare and yeah. it's really bad for your mental yeah. state of mind. So, um, but I think the other part of it, which is just generally important for, uh, the next gen is surround yourself with good people, surround yourself with positive influences, surround yourself with people that exude the kind of character traits and qualities that you want to emulate and learn from, yeah. um, and get rid of the shitty negative influences around your life. It doesn't mean you need to cut everyone off, but know how you're expanding your energy. Because I'm a big believer in the law of attraction. Mm. I'm a big believer if I come in the room and I've got the energy and I'm the life of the party, that I'm gonna attract the right kind of energy back. Definitely. But if I'm that sad, mopey, grumpy, cynical person all the time, then people would just, ugh, I just wanna stay away from this guy. Yeah. Really agree with that. So. Really thank you, Benjamin Quinlan, for the first episode. We're going to really chance. right dive into the second episode, so stay tuned. Thank you again, and let's just go to the second episode. All right, thanks very much, Ben. Cheers. All right. Cheers. Thanks, Bye.